What's up, Creighton fans? Uh, Matt Dean is here from White and Blue Review. Obviously, you should know the drill by now if you're going to this website for this podcast, but I feel like just letting you know who's talking to you and where it's coming from. Um, I'm sitting here with Rob Sims, a former longtime Creighton SID, um, currently sitting in his pretty swaggy-looking office right now, about to record a Big East women's basketball tournament preview podcast for y'all. I'm going to recap the Creighton season, uh, talk about Jalen Agnew probably too much, um, and uh, preview the women's basketball tournament coming up here in Chicago this weekend, and also uh, Creighton's kind of postseason outlook and what they kind of need to do to make the NCAA tournament field and what uh, you guys should expect going forward. Um, First of all, Rob, thank you for just clearing your afternoon for me to sit down in your office and we're gonna this. go all all afternoon huh yeah <laughs> maybe all right podcasts uh, kind of like have an unlimited <laughs> it's basically when we're out of words then the podcast is over great well no, yeah. hey thanks for having me i've been i've been on radio i've been on tv i've never been on a podcast really so i'm very excited i hope to, you're not super nervous it's you know, just you're not gonna like, trip and bubble I, over i think i'll be all right you can handle i it? hope so cool just read off the prompter. All right. Don't, you know, yeah. you can curse a little Listen bit. Listen to my earpiece. You won't get fired if you um, curse at all. Uh, I guess, first of all, you know, I'm, I'm kind of glad that this was your idea, first of all. We should take credit <laughs> for that. Uh, I'm glad that you brought this up. I almost jumped at it immediately, but I kind of tried to play it cool. Like, <laughs> and the girl's like, yeah, I'll go out with you. I'm like, tonight? Like, when you said that, I was like, oh, this is perfect. Because you have a great, um, just a bunch of historical context in terms of creating women's basketball. Um, you know, being their SID for almost two decades, right? When did you when did you leave the biz? I was ju- just over a decade is okay. when I uh, was with them. So, yeah, but I've been but covering, I've been covering them. Yeah, I've been covering them nonstop since I arrived in Omaha in 2001. So, yeah, almost two decades of covering them. And I'm glad because I think you're just the perfect person to kind of like not only talk about Creighton, but this league in general, but also where I kind of want to start this one off with Jalen Agnew and the season that she's had because – Sometimes I think I had like kind of overshoot what she's actually accomplished, and then she goes and does something that I haven't seen since I've been covering the team, and go, no, she's that's pretty special. Like, so I wonder when, when just first of all, when you're watching this season transpire and what you've seen Jalen do, where does it stand to you in terms of just in in the time that you've been following Creighton basketball and covering them, just how good of a year she actually had. I mean, it's it was pretty incredible. And you, you mentioned seeing things that you haven't seen happen before. Well, everyone saw something that no one had seen before on Sunday, That those 43 points. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you look at some of the players just in the last two decades that I've covered. Obviously, Christy Neneman was a two-time Valley Player of the Year, and she um, was a really good all-around player. She she didn't have the the shooting touch that Jalen does. I mean, there's there's different parts of everybody's game that they're gonna have and excel at, but the mm-hmm. Jalen's athleticism uh, is what sticks out. I mean, I I wanted to bring it up on the broadcast and try to sneak it in, but she kept scoring and we couldn't t- talk yeah. about her backstory. She's anymore. constantly doing stuff. But the you know the fact that you look at her her background coming in a four time state champion in high jump and that tells you about her athleticism Stud right there. player, yeah. So her ability to jump, her ability to um, – her length on defense, her shooting touch is really what I keyed in on this year is what really impressed me is 
um, her stroke. Obviously, when you haven't missed a free throw since December, um, you know, you, I looked at you know some of the stats, and both the Woodard sisters. You've are, actually had a birthday uh, since she missed a free throw, right? Yeah. Are you December thirteenth? Yes. Yeah. 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 So it goes back to before you had. So, you were a different age when. And that was a long time ago. <laughs> so um, a really long time ago. But yeah, I mean, so Kelsey and Christy Woodard uh, from Bellevue West, uh, Doug Woodard's daughters. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, very well schooled and very well coached, and had a great shooting touch. They're the top two career free throw percentage leaders. They had great shots, yeah, really good shots. Jalen's is better. <laughs> like, I mean, it's um, and you you pointed it out too about her shots that she missed on Sunday, and I had mentioned it during the broadcast too that yeah, you did. that the shots that she missed. They missed by... They were a hair off. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. minimal missed. I mean, she didn't miss offline. You know, the funny thing, too, is I didn't mention it during the broadcast, but just um, she took 25 shots. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I never feel like she rushes her shot. I feel like two of her 25 shots, she actually did rush. Like, I honestly, I, looking back, I'm like, I think yeah. she actually rushed There was a shot. point in that game where, like, we're chasing Connie. Exactly. There's a purpose, like, get her as many as but we can. But that was yeah. the thing, too, that stuck out to me is... You could actually tell when she altered her shot because it's so consistent, typically. Mm-hmm. And it was those two rush shots. I'm like, oh, that's different. Like, you could, I could tell, uh, you could see that just those little differences. And then she reined it back in and, and started shooting her normal shots, let mm-hmm. the game come to her a little bit more. Um, but to get back to your original question, her um, shooting stroke this year, her percentages and her you know leading the country in free throw shooting and setting the record um is what really stuck out to me this season Mm -hmm. yeah I think you know it's kind of cool to see her I don't know she's just always been this super humble talent and it's crazy because you just you just I just can remember stories throughout her career where she just thinks she's probably and it's not even an exaggeration like she would think she's the worst player on the team um, she just has an attitude that it's like it's never – I don't know. Sometimes I think it has held her back because she never feels like she's good enough to play it, to do it at that level and to, to kind of take over a game. Um, but I also think that feeds into her work ethic because she is in the gym a lot, a lot more than I think a lot of Creighton players um, You know, in this modern era here. She really does kind of put a lot of work in on her craft to get herself to – you know, she came in as this – you mentioned this this at like three sport stud athlete and she was a top one hundred basketball recruit, but even she'll tell you she wasn't like an alpha number one scorer in high school. Right. Um, you know, I think she was like mid teens in terms of scoring output. She kinda just had to do you know, her athleticism made her a good defender and she kinda felt like that was gonna be what she did in, in college was just, you know, play good defense, um, hit an open shot every now and then, rebound the basketball. And then as you're seeing her develop, you're like there is so much untapped potential in terms of superstar ability here. And what she's unlocked this season and just her ability to be, to just go get a bucket when they need one. I mean, you know, the, the, the ball handling has always been kind of like her weak point, I guess, but she's worked really hard at it. And now, you know, she can get to the rim with her right hand. She can get to the rim with her left hand. You know, she can jab step you to death at that step back jumper. I mean, the, the like you mentioned the stroke, it's as sweet as ever. I, I mean, I think I, I took some slow-mos of her shooting um, this offseason and just sent them around to, like, different people that I know scout the game and watch the game. I'm just like, can you ever remember, and I know this might sound like 
misogynistic, but can you ever remember like a female shooter look as just like pure in terms of mechanics and, and stroke and flow and all that, the way it comes out of her hand, the way she raises up, the way she sets it up. And it's like, nah, that's, that's like next level stuff. Yeah. And that's when you kind of start to think, what could she possibly do at the next level? Right. And, and you know, the, the words of maybe never even entered her mind, but it's like, she has that potential. Sure. And then you look at from her number standpoint, what she's done this season and then compare them to like, you know, high second round, late first round picks and like, her numbers are better than all of them. She's putting together a season that I don't think a lot of people, A, expected, and B, I don't know if they appreciated it in real time as much as they should have. They caught on a little bit late. You know, some of the crowds that they drew at DJ, um, maybe for the last three, were maybe on par with what you should get from a superstar like that. Um, but it's been pretty incredible. I think this season is going to be – I think the season is going to age a lot better than it did in real time. And people are going to, when when she's gone, I think they're going to realize that that was special. And it wasn't just, um, she just caught a hot streak and got going. Like, there was a lot that went into it. And it's just impressive to see how she's maintained her humility through all of it. Um, and even when she had to become the alpha, her attitude didn't change. She's still super team-oriented. She still tried to, you know, permeate confidence throughout the entire group itself and, and just do whatever it took to win. And I think that's the most impressive part about her season just ignoring the statistical context of what she did. It was the way she kind of led by example and just built confidence throughout the group itself. Well, and to illustrate your point, too, is I mean, she averages better than 20 points per game, which yeah. is incredible. That hasn't happened at Creighton in 30 years. That's crazy, right? Um, Think of all the great scorers that Creighton has had. And she leads the team in assists. Yes, yes. <laughs> so don't forget that. Yeah. Like, I know and the we assistant, talk about... And the assistant turnover ratio is immaculate for a player that plays her... Or that for a, a player of her yeah. usage rate, it's unreal, oh, yeah. right? Yep. Leads the team in blocks. Uh, leads the country in free throw percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just didn't miss... I mean, just to reiterate this, we haven't said this. She did not... We talked about not missing a free throw since December. Right. So you might have been able to figure it out. Didn't miss a free throw in Big East play. Yeah, zero I misses. Mean, in... Big East. Yeah, for context, if people just got done watching the Husker men in Lincoln miss, <laughs> right. you know, two-thirds of the shots right. they put up at the free throw line, she didn't miss at all. During for, an entire what? conference season. Yeah, two to three months. It's crazy. Right. It's wild. I mean, I, that's what I mean. It's just like, I don't think people understand. I think, I think it's starting to catch on, though, that there is something special in her because they brought her out to, um, during one of the timeouts late in the second half, I think, last night for... Uh, you know, in Creighton, Georgetown, and the crowd just like immediately as she was walking out, you know, Jake Ryan hadn't even said her name yet, and the crowd was going nuts because they, yeah, yeah, they're like, oh, that's, already, yeah, they were that's standing. Yeah. yeah, and it was a crazy ovation, 17,000 plus, and it, it was just like a different type of ovation because volleyball's kind of come out for that before and they've gotten a pretty good ovation, but I felt like that one just felt a little different, you know, it. it I think it hurt her to smile that long for crying out loud. They had her out there for so long, listening off the accolades of what she'd done. But um, that was a well-deserved, a hard-earned ovation that she right. got from that crowd. And I think it was pretty cool to see that many people acknowledge it to the magnitude they did because they really brought a lot of energy in terms of just letting her know that they appreciate right. the season that she had. Well, and coming off, obviously, the record-setting performance on Sunday, I think that brought her... I mean, it's not even just the 43, right? right? Like, right. Her, her whole stat line, is that right. not one of the... I'm, I told Rob Anderson this, and he almost swung at me. Like, I don't know if Doug's had five games <laughs> in his career that good. Like, 
Right. 43 points, nine boards, six assists, two blocks, two steals, zero turnovers in 39 minutes. Yeah, zero turnovers. 15 to 25 from the floor, 8 to 17 from three, and then obviously the 5 of 5 at the line, like, which you tried very – I went back and watched the game. You tried very hard to jinx. <laughs> right. Because you made sure you're like, she hasn't missed this then. Every time she shot a free throw, you're we like, to say listen, that. I'm just challenging her to miss one at this point. Like, I think you were, you were taking it upon yourself to try to I, see if you could get her to I miss. I had full confidence in her ability to negate the uh, – the broadcaster, broadcaster jinx. jinx. Yeah, and she did. I don't even think she came close to missing one that day. Villanova almost. One rattled in and out and went back down. I think the crowd was like, <gasps> <laughs> it was like a aw. Oh, yeah. No, but yeah, I mean, I so close. 43 points ties the Big East single game record. Mm-hmm. Set the, Angel, Angel McCrotry. Yep. Set the Creighton record. Eight, eight three-pointers. That's only been topped twice in Creighton history. And one of those was on a 40-point game by Kathy Halligan mm-hmm. when she hit 10. She was a, a ridiculous <laughs> Yeah, she shooter. was a bucket. Um... But yeah, I mean those—that's that line that you just rattled off. I mean, we, we mentioned it during the broadcast here. I mean, almost had a double double with forty-three points. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, unbelievable. Yes. And I think I—I I wasn't totally surprised she won Big East Player of the Year. I was like, I kind of when I hand out awards for season-long play, I kind of like lean towards to the victory go the spoils. So I felt like DePaul because they had. Won the league comfortably, and it was a super competitive league. I mean, what, a five-way tie at 11-7? Right, and seven? That's just unreal, right? So the fact that they had won that league with a pretty sizable cushion going into the last few weeks, um, I felt like they deserved probably a lot of the hardware at the end of that. Um, but at the same time, always on top of my mind was like, Jalen was clearly the best player in the Big East this year. I mean, as as good as as good as any individual was on DePaul's team or – or Marquette who finished second, or Butler who finished third with basically one double-digit scorer. Um, you just can't you can't really compare Jalen's impact on both ends of the floor. First of all, which right. you brought up, and her efficiency on the offensive end, despite being you know checked by two players, thrown three sometimes weird zones, like just all kinds of defenses that she's had to figure out a way to score against and still do it efficiently without turning the ball over. Um, it was kind of like sometimes it's just too obvious like you've got a special player that deserves the award and regardless of where they finish in the standings it's, it's well and if, it, it belongs to her right and if you're six-time player of the week then you've, yeah. you've set yourself apart from, have you seen the, the have you seen the players that have won that thing yeah that you put that list out was it, it just blows my mind when i think about that like maya moore nakisha sales rebecca lobo right uh i'm facing the last one. Oh, tina charles just like all UConn, all-time all great basketball female right. basketball players. Right. Yeah, like professional level, college level, and then there's Jalen. Four UConn players and a Blue Jay. Yep. Is is Pretty all that cool. have won it six times and then Player of the Year. That's insane. Yep. So yeah, it just it only adds to the like historical context of what she's done because I felt like if you can't, you know, if you're just throwing the numbers out there without much context, you're like, you know, I guess you can maybe dismiss it because it's not a league with UConn so it's you know maybe it doesn't have Louisville in it so it's not like maybe the Big East that it was a few years ago on the women's basketball side um but again if you're only comparing her to four of the all-time greatest UConn players ever right um Sands Diana Taurasi like right uh that's pretty impressive historical context right Yeah. yeah yeah Um, let's let's stay on the awards before we get into the Big East here a little bit. Uh, I just wondered your thoughts on um, does anything stand out to you as maybe a surprise? I think Maddie Seegers winning Freshman of the Year is that basically was, the lock of the, that was wrapped up in the lock uh, of the league, right? December, I yeah. think already. Yeah, Maddie. She Seegers. won ten of the twelve. 
it possible, was, right? It was unbelievable. I mean, yeah. yeah so, I mean, first team as a freshman uh, speaks for itself, too. So, no yeah. no surprise there. Maybe and, and, and before Jalen, she had the only 40-point game in the league this year. I think she had 41 against LaSalle, I want to say. Yeah. So, so, yeah, she was pretty impressive. Uh, Megan Why Duffy. did Harry redshirt her last year? She better hurt, right? <laughs> well, who are we? T- who have we been talking about? Oh, that's true. That's a very very <laughs> Jalen Agnew. Redshirt your freshman, everybody. <laughs> she she redshirted, so this is her fifth year. So yeah, that's a smart move there, right? Right. So yeah, Megan Duffy, Marquette, coach of the year. That's a that was a no brainer mm-hmm. too. They, I don't, they were picked ninth. I don't know why they and were I picked thought, ninth though. I mean, I had. I know a, they lost so... five five four year starters. I get that, but they had some decent pieces coming back. Yeah, I was. I, I had. I, I'm. I'm an idiot on that one. I had him eighth. I thought ninth was like what, but eighth I felt like was. They lost so much production. They did, they did lose a ton. It wasn't just five starters. It was like basically all their production and then Selena Lott. Oh yeah, five one thousand point scores. Yeah, so that's, that's just that's five crazy. Key players. It's yeah. five really really so good. I was and a, they lost I was a, a coach too. Yeah. So. I was a doubter at first. I'm not gonna lie. So I had him eighth in the preseason. But yeah, Megan Duffy did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. So any surprises? I don't. I, I, you and I talked about before we uh, hit hit the record button. Selena mm-hmm. Lot Marquette on the second team. Yeah. I uh, I talked about her during the broadcast because I remember her last year when so she wasn't one of those five starters. Um, she is a pest on defense and she controls the game on offense. And I really really like her game a yeah, lot. Yeah, I do too. Um, and Super I, underrated passer. Yeah. I, she sees the floor really well. And I'll say this about the Big East. I uh, appreciate the fact that they keep it as a five-person first team. Yep. So I do Bravo. appreciate that. Yep. So it is going to cause some good players to, to not get on the first team. And mm-hmm. so... Um, so you had, you had Selena Lott as a first teamer then? I think she'd be a... I, I think Mary Gadeka... First of all, I it's tough to I know I know it was a five way tie for third third best record, but Villanova's the seven seed and they had two of the five. That was what teamers. stuck out to me Isn't too. Isn't that real? Like, wait, right? they're the seven seed, two first teamers. <laughs> right. Mm, like, uh, that's you're stretching it there. I think I don't know if I had Lot as a first teamer. I definitely can see your argument for it, but in terms of most improved or defensive player of the year, because I thought so I thought Selena Lott is just a terror uh, like a Tasmanian devil on the ball. Absolutely. I thought she was one of the best defenders we saw all year in the big East. So I thought she had a chance at that one, but most improved. I don't know if there's anybody just in terms of production alone who did what she did coming off of last year. Like I don't know how anybody besides her would have won that award. Right, unless unless the coaches knew what she had in her and her minutes were limited last year because of those. I mean, unless that's, that's that the could one be fair, thing. I guess. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, you're the leading scorer on the second best team in the league, though, and. Arguably the best defender in the conference. I and know. a good ground player. Too. Yeah, I don't Just know how that doesn't story. make you the most improved player yeah. in the league when you were yeah. riding the pine and coming off um, behind that big five last year. Like yeah. that, that to me felt like a no brainer. That didn't happen. Um, but yeah, I definitely can see your argument for her maybe earning a little bit more than just a second team nod. Uh, the one gigantic surprise for me. And I guess they kind of gave her that sportsmanship award. Maybe I don't know if that's like a <laughs> consolation to all the stuff she did deserve, in my opinion. But Kelly Campbell getting on the second team is probably one of the most surprising things I've seen. I can't even tell you when. Like I was pretty, I was pretty like, what is going on when Sydney Lamberty got honorable mention only yeah. as a senior? Yeah, I feel like this one's a little bit more surprising. Well, yeah, because a second team nod for arguably the straw too. that stirs the drink. Right, yeah. Exactly. 
She does so much for that team, and they won the league easily. Like, she's a walking triple-double. Mm-hmm. Her sister turnover ratio is best in the country by far. Um, she shoots the three. Yeah. At, what's she shooting at? 45% in league play and 85 attempts from three. 44% for the year. You know, she's just not a double-digit scorer. She's nine points, nine rebounds, you know, seven, eight assists. Craziest of turnover numbers. But, I mean, I just don't understand why. Yeah. How is that a second-team player? And again, it's it's to one so of those things where kids, like, really? it, right, and it, yeah, and it's one of those things where well, Shante Stonewall is your leading scorer, so mm-hmm. leading scorer for the best team, she gets first. You know, it's for sure. You don't look at the entire, and you know, there's arguments. But for the coaches are technically like well, I agree putting their names on this thing, right? Put Isn't her, there something on film that like Campbell's? If you take Campbell off to Paul, what is the yeah, Paul what's the that? Paul? Absolutely. Yeah, is Stonewall going to get as many touches without right. Campbell? She's going to get the spots <laughs> so, she needs to get the ball right. Yep. Yeah, I totally agree. No, I don't she should. Um, I, I can't argue with that either. If I, if um, Doug Bruno goes to Chicago and like just rips off a 30-minute rant about this, I would like listen to all 30 minutes. I'm yeah. like, why aren't you going longer? Because I, I think she... I mean, I think she... Like, if you talk about the end of her career now, I think she's been severely underrated based on how she, it ended up, because I think she's been a super vital player for this team, not only her entire career, but definitely her senior season when, um, you know, defensively they weren't as tenacious as they've always been. Yeah. Uh, they don't necessarily they, – they shoot the three a lot, but they don't necessarily shoot it as well as they have in the past. So, I mean, right. I think her ability – against she, UConn, she, she, she guarded a six-foot-four post against UConn. That's their point guard. Like, think about the value she brings to the floor, and you're like, that's – that's not a top five player in this league. Well, and you mentioned you can't her, say that with a straight face. You mentioned her assist to turnover ratio. I mean, that's we need to say what it is too because it's ridiculous. It one hundred and eighty three turnover or one hundred eighty three assists, thirty one turnovers. That's absurd. One turnover per game. Like <laughs> yeah, as when, many possessions as when the your ball, ball plays, is yeah. Yeah. balls in your hand. Yeah, nonstop. So and you lead the team in rebounds. Yeah, and it's insane. And three point shooting. And, yeah, yeah, so. I I don't get it. I can't argue that. Yeah. Um, Demi um, Sarda on the honorable mention. That's yeah. She had a pretty a good, good nod. Pretty good year. Um. Um. Let's see. Shadeen Samuels, preseason player of the year, second team at the end of it. Injuries early on definitely hampered her a little bit. But do you think maybe? I mean, I think she won Big East most improved two years in a row. So maybe she just, like, did all <laughs> she, she could possibly yeah. do. Yeah, that's <laughs> she hard just, to, she was the that's player hard she, to do. Yeah, it's hard to uh, keep going. Um, injuries definitely hurt her early in the season, but I don't know. Uh, the three-point shot wasn't as good as it maybe everybody thought it would be this year. as much of a threat, maybe. So I think teams just kind of figured out maybe how to defend her a little bit better. Um, but she's one of the better two-way players in the league, too. To see her on second team, again, over... I just can't get over that seven seed. Villanova has two right. representatives. So, right. yeah, that's that's a little bit of a surprise maybe. Yeah. Uh, Lexi Held is a player to watch going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, sophomore sure. on the honorable mention. She's an absolute stud. Uh, arguably a future player of the year in this league with the way she shoots the ball and um, yeah. the way she moves. So um, Ariana Gray, okay. I think she was like third in scoring. So she could, you know, some kind of nod her way, even though it's not on the most efficient uh, that was a, yeah, a rough year for yeah. a rough year for Xavier. It was. What about uh, Carly Bachelor not being on the All Freshman team? Did yes, you think she, she? I thought she might have had an outside shot. Uh, there was that stretch when Jalen was out, right? Where she just had she just had an incredible double doubles. Yeah, two weeks mm-hmm. there, but 
I don't. It, it didn't sustain itself, so I'm not terribly surprised. Yeah, by over that. the last couple of weeks, once once Jalen was back and in her groove, then yeah, they didn't need her as much. I do think Creighton's freshman class is pretty promising, though. There's there maybe isn't a complete basketball player in any of the three just yet, but I think they've all shown mm-hmm. flashes of For sure. being able to help you win games right. and and being players maybe you can count on going forward in the program. And I think that's a good way to segue into kind of Creighton's season as a whole. If we're trying to recap the thing at this point, um, going into Big East play, I think, uh, I don't know. When you look at 19 and 10 and the start they got off to, then the injuries that, that hit them midway through the year around Christmas time with uh, Tatum Rimbaugh going down with a knee injury and uh, Jalen Agnew missing four games with a concussion uh, midway through Big East play. Like, what, what do you just, how would, how would you describe the way this season played out and, you know, I guess given what they had to deal with in terms of the injuries, but also what they were able to accomplish early and then late. I mean, obviously they had a good, uh, decent non-conference resume, beating you know West Virginia when they were when they were ranked. Yeah, that, before that they didn't turn out. To, that, yeah, that didn't turn out to be as good of a win as you would have hoped it would. Because they went and beat A and M after that, right? Or was it, it Mississippi State? I can't remember which one West Virginia knocked off, but they went on the road. Yeah, they yeah beat an SEC power. Right. uh, You know, so that was like, for about two months, that was a super good win for Creighton's resume. Right. And they just didn't hold it together in Big 12 play, so. Um, But yeah, and then once they got into conference play, you talked about the injuries. Um, Yeah, going through that stretch from late January to late February, they alternated wins and losses, and they Mm -hmm. couldn't find their groove when when you thought they should be able to, you know, at home against Butler coming off of uh, a struggling win to, to beat Xavier yeah. uh, and not a great team. I mean, it was – and then you go on the road and you beat – You beat DePaul without, without, without Jalen. Yeah, uh, and then you think, okay, they've already beat Marquette at home so they can handle Marquette. And, you know, they, they, were up thir- they were up 13 and a half time a in that one, one too. There. Yep. Um, yeah, so it's kind of, just kind of been a weird – you know, you hope – the three-game winning streak going into the the conference tournament will will help out and build up their confidence. Obviously, um, two of those three wins against the bottom feeders of the league. But I think, I mean, if you're talking big picture, so 19 and 10 on the year, RPIs in the mid to low 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, they are certainly. Squarely on the bubble does it, does it, <laughs> right now. Does it stack up with how does it stack up with your preseason expectations? Maybe is a better way to so comp picked. It. What were they picked fourth? Yes, which is like they're always they're always yeah, picked right. fourth. I think they always. Um, I think they go by like who are the best coaches in the league, and they try to. I think. I mean, I think you would have expected a little bit more. Um, okay. Than eleven and seven in leagues. I don't know if I agree, and let me just say, because like, they lost Audrey. I think Jade Owens was kind of underrated for what they did last right. year in terms and of the point guard position. So I, th- I felt like there was going to be – I thought their non-con was better than I thought it was. And that's be. maybe what I'm saying, too, is maybe that raised my expectations okay. a little okay. bit. Okay, so it, ch- it, it changed it. When they came into non-con, when they put that, to, when they put that together, mm-hmm. I thought this, this team's a little better than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. But then maybe – they tail back and yeah, because I mean they were they were four and one in Big East play three and one three and they were three and one in no, they were three and yeah. oh, they were three and zero oh in league play three and zero oh, and then four and one yeah. yeah so going into that DePaul game they were three and zero oh in league play and I felt like at that point they were kind of like trending towards lock status in terms of like put the year they were putting together yeah and if they had gotten that one that would have just sent them off 
Um, they didn't get it, but then they won the next one against Providence, even though they didn't play all that well. So they were still 4-1 and one going into that Seton Hall-St. John's trip, and that's kind of when like Seton Hall blitzed them in the first quarter, then Jalen got the concussion late in the fourth. Right. Uh, missed the St. John's game, which they almost won, to their right. credit, um, playing without uh, Rembaugh and, and Agnew. Um, but that's kind of when the inconsistency really started to settle in, was that Providence game. I, I don't know if they just felt too let down after the DePaul game, because they... Lost a heartbreaker. I know Timmy Sarda was in tears after that game. I felt like Creighton invested a lot in trying to win that and get a leg up on the conference race. But I don't know if that took them down a notch and then the injuries added to it. But it felt like that's when the inconsistency set in. Because that Providence game, they weren't very sharp in that one. They kind of needed Jalen to go off in the fourth quarter and and live to make some plays late to win that one. So. yeah, you you might be right but that your expectations probably changed based on their non-conference performance. Because I, I know going in, I was like, they're going to face some teams that um, they're going to have a tough time matching up with, in my opinion, based on what, you know, everybody's transitioning into different roles. Like, Temi had to be the number two um, scorer. She hasn't done that before. Tatum right. had to be the number one point guard. Right. She hasn't done that before. So right. I felt like those are two pretty vital parts. And if the freshmen don't hit the ground running – then Creighton basically has no experience at the post position. Right. So there's a lot on Jalen's shoulders to be special every night. And, um, you know, they lost to Drake, lost to South Dakota, which you can't really can't really feel bad about either of those two road games against two top 30 teams. Right. Um, those are still stacking up as, you know, uh, um, decent losses. Right. Uh, I think the Arizona State game was one where, you know, Jalen didn't have it and then the Rembaugh getting hurt the day before kind of threw them out of whack there. But, yeah, that, that DePaul game maybe have took some wind out of their sails a little bit. But that, and the nice thing, too, is I was talking with Glenn midway through. I think it was after that road uh, sweep at Seton Hall and St. John's when they got swept. Um, I mean, the nice thing is they went 11-7 and seven in conference, and you can still talk about them being an at-large possibility. Sure, sure. And so, I mean, you put that in context of, you know, when I was around and when I was with them and in the Valley, and they went 16-2 and two one year, and they're like, there's no way they're getting in if they don't win the tournament. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's the nice thing about being able to say they're 11-7, and seven and you would have hoped they could have done better. But if they have a decent weekend in Chicago this weekend, they could still be dancing. For sure. Yeah, they're definitely not at... 16, 17 levels where they're where it doesn't matter what they do in the Big East tournament, right. but they're probably in that 17, 18 range where they probably need to win one to feel somewhat confident, get help in the rest of the conference tournaments. Right. Um, yeah. But if you win two, I think that puts them in. I think they get to the finals against DePaul. They're in as long as no one steals a bid in the league. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Because yeah. they're gonna play Marquette in that second game. Ideally, if if chalk holds yeah, out. Yeah. Right. So that's a top 30 game right there. And that would be the Wh- second time they've beaten them. Well, yeah. if they can get that. Right. But beat St. John's will be... For the first time. A tall task. It was funny because Flan actually has a habit of getting swept and uh, then finding like the, a way to win the game that matters the most, I guess, in terms of both the team I, seasons. It's I looked crazy. that up. Did you look that up, too? I did, yeah. They're 8-1 and one all time. Yep. And they've won seven straight. That's... That's what I got too. Yeah, that's that's a pretty so wild. So they did stat, it against right? Butler last year. They got they got handled by Butler last year yeah. in the regular season. First of all, before you tee this up, okay. Everybody says that it's hard to beat a team three times. Statistically, that's nonsense. <laughs> like the the team that wins the first two is right. like seventy eight percent has a seventy eight percent chance of winning the third one as well. Like right. that's just the better. Well, team. Well, I wasn't gonna say that. it doesn't I wasn't, work. I wasn't but gonna Flan say that. is a Flan apparently is like. 
almost contributing solely to that 22% right. to himself because yeah. he's a hard man to beat twice or three times in the season. So, yeah, they did it against Butler last year. Uh, they did it against Butler in 2015 and then did it against Seton Hall in 2016. So mm. it's three times. Convincingly, in really, in all three too. fashions, kind of strangely right. enough. Like, and I, I definitely feel like, yeah, St. John's is the three seed. But Jalen, they, they really limited Jalen the mm. last time they played. And I felt, you know, there's sometimes – there's rarely have I watched them this year and thought – Jalen hasn't been aggressive enough. Like I don't feel like she was, you know, credit St. John's defense in that game. Yeah, they were all over her. But I felt like Jalen could have been a little bit more aggressive. I feel yeah. like coming off a forty-three point game, she'll definitely be <laughs> continue to be aggressive no matter how much they're smothering her mm-hmm. uh, again. And so hopefully that'll play well for them in Chicago. On the matchup itself, that's a, it's a super tough one for Creighton. Um, when you talk about teams that normally you would think about Creighton's kryptonite is like. Well, if this team's got a super effective, efficient post player, Creighton's going to get super creative in terms of defending that. And yeah. They might give them some open threes as a result. St. John's isn't like that anymore. They've really kind of retooled who they are in terms of their identity. Um, and now they just throw speed and, and skill at you more than they have in the past, I think. And that's, it's a super tough matchup because Creighton is normally the team that throws skill yeah. to counter the athleticism. Yeah. St. John's has speed and skill, and they're a little. I mean, it's it's hard for it's going to be hard for Creighton to keep the dribble in front of them. Yep. They really struggled with it in the matchup in Omaha, and kind of almost got blown out of their own gym before they went to that zone. Yeah, um, which was bizarre. Right, it was the first but time it, all year they used it. I think. Well, I mean, think about it. you've been covering them for a, what a decade now, and I've been covering them for two decades. I I texted Rob Anderson during the game because he was doing stats, and I was mm-hmm. there with my family. I said, I think I can count the times Flan has played zone on one hand. In, in his 18 years as head coach. I mean, they, but it worked. They practiced it a ton in the preseason when they were trying to, like, get um, just a little bit more teeth to their defense and throw things at people. And I think they thought with Jalen's length and with Tatum's just ball-hawking nature and Rachel as well that the, the zone maybe could be a way to throw a curveball at teams and create some turnovers and throw some rhythm off. Definitely but they didn't use it all year until like that moment. They're like, so like midway through the third and it they was call a little it, they, too late. Yeah, they call time. it buzz, but that's like... They hadn't used it to any great effect all year until then. And then it was like, oh, yeah, okay. So it'll be interesting, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they use it in Chicago, right? Because it worked pretty well. Well, and I mean, but then they'll be prepared for it now. Yeah. <laughs> so you would think that they would be prepared for it. But yeah, I mean, those matchups were uh, yeah, not working out well for Creighton. Mm-hmm. And, and for those reasons that you stated. I mean, I've watched. Deja Hoppy is I, I would look at the, the St. John's bench after some of those drives where they beat Creighton off the dribble. They would just spread the floor mm-hmm. and then isolate one player and just beat whoever it was off the dribble. And you'd look at Coach Tartamella and he'd turn around to his coaches and he'd shrug his shoulders and say, every time. Really? Every time. Yeah. <laughs> and he wasn't wrong. No. I mean, they were getting to the rim every time. Yep. Which makes you think, it's kind of weird that the first matchup went the way it did because yeah. Creighton's best player wasn't involved in that and, one, and their, their point guard wasn't involved in that. Yet St. John's had, a trouble, had trouble scoring. So I don't know. That might be a good one to go back and watch and see how Creighton contain them from the de- on the defensive end to see if there's anything that translates to this third matchup from that first game instead right. of the second one. Because yeah. the second one, St. John's was unstoppable. They just they had no answer for them defensively. Yeah. So yep. that you know, it's kind of interesting because Creighton probably, I mean, not probably. I, I think we both agree they definitely need to win that one if they want to go to the NCAA tournament. They absolutely have to win one um, at least. And I feel like this is the toughest matchup in the league for them. Yeah, just based on that alone, so that it's it's going to be that I think it's the tallest task that Creighton could have 
in this conference tournament, the toughest draw they could get right off the bat is yep. the St. John's team, and that's the one I think that's the hurdle they'll have to clear if they want to be in this tournament um, for the third time in four years, right? Is it four or five years? Yeah, four. Okay. Right? I think it's four. Uh, yeah, because Jalen would be a three-time NCAA yeah. tournament. Yeah, for the fir- it, her and Liv would be the first three-timers in school history, right? Yeah, that sounds yeah. right. Um, so, yeah, that's that matchup. Do we want to jump into the rest of the bracket and see how it shakes out? Sure, Maybe start at the top. Top of the bracket. Yeah, so Georgetown and Providence in that 8-9 game. Um, you know, Providence is a team that's got some talent. They just really struggle to put, you know, any kind of – I mean, they lost some close ones, but then I don't know if that started to sap their confidence and they started to get their butts whipped a little bit. So you could clearly tell that the losses affected them. Well, but they were a team that had a better non-con than maybe their, you know, they kind of, if you want to compare someone to DePaul men, they had a really good non-con and then absolutely right. just stayed at the in the cellar once league play started. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, Georgetown had three players leave their team yeah. two weeks ago, but you know, Creighton beat them by 17. They shot 52% in that loss. So you got to think up they kind of feel good about themselves right. going into the tournament with them. But yeah, that'll be an interesting one, but yeah. it's just the... Whoever wins that will be the sacrificial lamb to the to the home team, basically. Mm-hmm. I just I don't know. I feel like I like Providence in that matchup just because. Yeah, I would. They've I would got. I, I, would I swear they're the most. I think they're the most. The team that's underachieved the most in league play based on their talent. When you think about Baskerville and Geary, those are two players yeah. that are just tough to cover. From any, yeah. A little bit of success last year. Yeah, and Erlette Scott, I think, is a bucket out there. Like she beat St. John's with that shot late. She gave Creighton problems in both matchups. Um, so I think I favor Providence in that one, but yeah, I don't know how they're gonna keep that within twenty in the next game against DePaul. So yeah, DePaul the Blue Demons will m- avoid the um, bid stealing potential in that one for sure. Next yeah. one is uh, Butler and Seton Hall. Um, so I think the first matchup at Hinkle, Butler had like a fifteen point lead that they blew and lost late, uh, and then the second one I think it was a close game, but Seton Hall won by. Just pulled away late and won by, I think, 10 or 13. Um, so Seton Hall's got the two wins over them in that regard. Do you see that becoming three, or do you see Butler possibly finding a way to finally beat them? Oh, Butler's not playing their best ball right now either. No. Um, but they did just push St. John's to overtime in in Queens on the last weekend. So there's, um, there's something there. Spoiler is obviously their high usage player. She's not very well, that's efficient. What I, though. That's what I'm thinking too. Is yeah, she's not efficient. If you can shut her down, make them go to another option. Yeah. Then like make Genesis Parker beat you. Like, like yeah. She, yeah. Um, yeah, that'll be an interesting one. Um, I'd, I'd probably go Seton Hall again there. Although okay, so Butler's, I mean, having seen Butler play against Creighton twice too, they manhandled Creighton. That's times. that's the way they kind of do things. Exactly. Yeah. yeah they they're. I don't know if Seton Hall. Can, I don't know if Seton Hall can be manhandled though, because they've got some tenacity to that's them true. too. So exactly. They, so the tenacity versus tenacity with a little bit more skill on one side of the. And that's why I think Seton Hall. Yeah. Gotcha. That yeah. makes sense. So chalk. We both think chalk survives the top half. Um, down to the bottom half, uh, we got Xavier and Villanova in a ten-seven game that is more like a ten-three again because right. there's a five-way tie for third, and Xavier's the worst team in the league by far. So, but honestly, those two games. Villanova has gotten off to really big leads in, but has not done a good job of sustaining that against Xavier. So, 
if if Mel Moore pulls it off, I don't uh, know if I'd be terribly shocked as bad as they've really? been all year. Because Villanova's had trouble keeping the foot on the gas against this team the first two times. So, I don't know. That's a, that's been a super competitive game both times in the down the stretch. You're not really gonna pick Xavier over Nova, though, are you? I don't. I don't think that's how Harry Perrette is going out. Right. Exactly. Only because of that, though. Any other year, I might pick that as the. They as might as tap a, into a, that pride that they showed exactly. on uh, senior weekend. His yeah. Final I mean, Mel Moore's been. I don't know if you watch Mel Moore press conferences, but she's super proud of her team. <laughs> um, it's pretty wild. Uh, yeah, Villanova. Villanova's not, not letting Harry go out like that. I don't no. think so. Because that would be, they barely beat Providence too after getting worked by Creighton. So. No, I'm not picking against him. Nope. <laughs> I'm not yeah, letting Harry, Harry lose Harry's, to Xavier on his, in the last game of his career. Shoot, they could, they so that's could, not you're not even worth you don't even Marquette. want you don't even want to discuss that, do you? No, because <laughs> I'd rather see a Nova Marquette matchup because okay. Nova could potentially. Yeah, we talked about Creighton and St. John's in the six three game. That's at eight thirty, by the way. So that's going to be late on Saturday night after the men play Seton Hall, right? Yeah, yeah. So as soon as you're done watching that one. Um, you know, get home, take a nap maybe, and then get ready to watch Creighton. Uh, St. John's and FS2. Yeah. Um, yeah, so let's go back to the top half, I think, since we set the we set the quarterfinals now. So we have DePaul and Providence. DePaul's in the semifinals. DePaul's just, in the semifinals. Yeah, even, just move them. Yeah, no chance at all there? No, no. What's the worst seed DePaul's lost to in this tournament? I don't know, but they've played so, I mean, they've played so well at home. and They haven't played well of late, though. Well... Traditionally in this tournament. That, yeah, they haven't lost at Wintrust. Exactly. So, yeah. So. The odds are definitely in their favor. Um, so then we have DePaul, Seton, Seton Hall, Hall, right? Yep. Yeah. So who gets out of the semifinal it's, matchup? I can't there? really pick against DePaul again. Just. I don't think either of those games have been competitive the first two times either. Seton Hall plays such a. Seton Hall plays a style that is almost like. I don't know if they're even made to beat DePaul. Because they never have the better right. players, and they right. don't have the better coaching, right. but they try to play the same style. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it's almost like Seton Hall's a poor woman's version of DePaul. Yeah, they just try to they do try what to, they always do and yeah. hope it works. Right. So, no, I, I think they're going to get overwhelmed again. So DePaul in the championship game. Wow, that's a real shocker. We have, we're not, not much madness in Big East tournament yet. No, no. Um, okay, so bottom half then, Marquette, Villanova. Marquette, Did Villanova. we pick a winner there? Yeah, but I so Nova beat Marquette the last time they played, and that's why I, and they also beat DePaul, and whooped DePaul last time they played. So the Villanova's got two of the most recent wins over these two teams, um, so they have at least some confidence going in that they can do it again. Um, do they? Is the question? I don't know. I mean, if if you want to have fun and pick against Chalk for once, I think this would be well. So here's the thing about Marquette, though. They're a top thirty RPI team right now. I think they're sitting at twenty eight, but yeah. Uh, they're two and four versus the top fifty. They have eight top seventy-five wins, so that's pretty good. But they're only two of five away from home against the top one hundred. So while their while their RPI number of twenty-eight is good, I still feel you like think they're not there's a, a lot yet? I think there's like a bubble hmm. component there. Like they might need to win that one too to feel pretty good about where they're at. If they don't make the semis, I don't know how good they're going to feel about. So I think their best win, their best win is at home against DePaul. Um, and the second best win is the buzzer beater at home against Creighton. So they haven't really like notched a signature win away from home, and I kind of feel like that no. matters a little bit, right? I think so. I I don't. I think they're likely in, but I will also say I think they do win. Okay. Against 
whoever they face. So you think they're likely in and Creighton needs win a win? Yeah. That's interesting because I don't know if I felt like that. Because Creighton's got the win away from home at DePaul. They have neutral wins over West Virginia. Um, they got the win at Nebraska, which is not aging well. Um, yeah. But it's still top 100. Yeah. I, I, I kind of felt like Creighton's resume was better than Marquette's. But you feel like Marquette's already in. I feel, I mean, yeah, you, you've, you've done more deep diving into it too. So, I mean, I'll trust your, uh, no, no, no. your analysis. No, no, no. I Punch think, back. I think that they have done enough to be in. They put okay. together a, I mean, they played well in conference play. Sure. Yeah. Finishing um, second with, you know, is, so, I mean, I don't know if it matters, but in a, in a league, in a, in a that league was that pretty balanced at the top. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think they're in, but. Okay. For sure, if they so are you, so are you For sure, if they win that, definitely if they win. So, are you picking them to beat Villanova? Sure, is this where the Harry Potter ride them. ends? Yeah. Well, we'll go to the NIT, right? In Villanova. Oh, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Sorry, Harry, you got more games. <laughs> um, yeah, I kind of think. I think that matchup just favors Marquette, though. I don't know what happened in the last meeting. Um, I think maybe Villanova just caught a heater early. I'll have to go back and watch it, but I don't. I think Marquette is. Uh, you know, when you look at Jordan King and Selena Lott in that backcourt, that's just a way better backcourt than Villanova's. You know, and then Van Clunen and Anderson and those can match up enough with right. Kadeka and Segrist to, like, not let them kill them, I think. Right. So that's, you know, when you look at what Marquette's bringing in the backcourt with the future of the league and, you know, in, in Lott and King, I think that's going to be pretty tough for Villanova to, to contain, especially on the... You know they're going to be on tired legs. Marquette's going to be fresh, so right, um, right, yep, yeah. I favor Marquette in that one. So are you picking the Blue Jays? Uh, are, we, are we sticking with Flan to keep I, his streak going of not getting beat three have times in a season? Flan going to nine and one yeah. when trying to avoid the sweep. Yep, I they've been pretty good. They've been pretty good in terms of being prepared and putting their A game out front in that first Big East tournament game. But the team that's been able to clip them a lot and kind of like ruin their seasons right. has been St. John's. It's so not there's the East tournament less. History is kind of like history is kind of like daring someone to give on this one with Flan, not losing to a third time, and with St. John's being the team that kind of always uh, disappoints Creighton in the in, in March. Um, well, that one is literally a coin toss in every sense of the word. Right. But yeah, I'm, I'm, if I had, you know, I think the rule of thumb with this tournament for me is is just. When you've got a special talent, that's kind of like, you know, an ace in the hole at all times. So I think this tournament might go, you know, if you look at – if Creighton is able to make a run, it, it might be because we've got Jalen Agnew and you don't. So, right. Yep. Um, in this matchup, Creighton has Jalen Agnew. St. John's doesn't. So I'm going to go with the Blue yeah. Jays yep. and be a homer. I'll be a homer as well. And we've already moved DePaul to the finals, right? Because Seton Hall is the poor woman's version of them. So they're yeah, DePaul's they're awaiting the they're DePaul's awaiting the winners the of Marquette and Creighton. Yeah. So then we both do we both agree that it's a three bid league and no more at this point. St. John's is the closest team. Yeah, to get no, they're, they're, they're sixty two, I think, in the yeah, RPI. They're definitely not getting. Um, they won't get in with unless they beat even Creighton. With, right? Well, yeah, even with a couple wins, they're not getting. In. Oh, you don't think so? No. Okay. Nope, it's between yeah, DePaul, Marquette, and Creighton have the opportunities to get in. So if St. John's, so, if St. John's with a couple wins, that'd be another. That'd be three wins over so Creighton, over Creighton, one win over Marquette. Marquette for the first time. Not I think enough. they're too far away. Yeah, I don't think it's going to give them that big of a bump. Gotcha. So they got. So everybody else basically needs to win the whole thing to get in. Yep. Okay. Um, 
So Creighton Marquette. Yeah, so Creighton Marquette for the third time. Rubber match because they both split. So Creighton won by 10 in Omaha. Uh, Marquette won at the buzzer in Milwaukee. And they were up big. Creighton was up big. Yeah, I think they were up. In Milwaukee. Yes, they were up 13 at halftime. So, I feel like. Should we be and it, was Jaylen, and it was Jalen Agnew's first game back from concussion. Yeah, and she so. certainly did not look like herself yet. Right. She point. looked like herself in the first 30 seconds of the game. And then, <laughs> and then maybe she like got a little tired yeah. or something. So are we going to go with the, the homers on the, uh, the podcast here? Um, You know what? Yes, but I don't know if it's for homerish reasons. Because as much as Marquette is a bad matchup for Villanova, I think Creighton's a bad matchup for Marquette. Because yeah. I think as good as Jordan King and Selena Lott are, Creighton also is more experienced and just as talented in that backcourt. And then the matchup with Marquette's post players, they're not super dynamic or terribly experienced. So, like, Michael Parham has been really good against Marquette these two games. So I think that's a game where if she – I don't know if she'll play as much against St. John's because the game plan might not just suit her skill set. Right. But the Marquette game certainly does. and. Right. And she was huge in that first win, and I think she played pretty well in the second game as well. Um, so I think from a matchup standpoint, it favors Creighton. And then, uh, well, yeah, and you mentioned it that Jalen, her first game back, she's not going two for twelve again. I don't think so. <laughs> so no. one for six from three point range in that uh, loss at Marquette. So and and the one make was her first shot of the game too. So so missed her next five. Yeah, and honestly, Marquette. They hit that shot before um, to go up two with like 1.4 seconds left, I think. But Creighton drew up a really nice um, ATO sideline on a balance play that Jalen had a really good look at. Yep. I think just a little bit long on the on the shot by the rim. Um, otherwise, that thing could have gone to OT, and who knows what happens at that point. So yeah, I just think Creighton is a bad matchup for them. I look, I, 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 I look I, at the backcourt, and I look at Jalen, and I look at the post matchup, and I think Creighton can. Match up pretty well, and then I think they have more experience. So that's like the the edge they have, I think. Then the Jalen Agnew edge, obviously. But right. In my opinion, I think it's a bad matchup. It's a, it's not a matchup that favors Marquette. All right, so we got DePaul and Creighton. Oh, you agree? That yeah. Creighton wins that one. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Just for home and for the, no, reasons. No, right? for the same okay. thing. You, everything you're saying, I absolutely agree with. I mean, okay. the way they played um, to be up 13, they just. Um, and I watched. Unfortunately, I think I turned that game on at halftime when they were up thirteen. So oh, I, really? I saw so the I saw the rapid collapse there. I mean, they uh-huh. got outscored nineteen to four in the third quarter, which they're prone uh, to do. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, and then they were even in the fourth, but they needed a little bit extra. No, and I, I, I absolutely I agree with everything you said. Not just I want Creighton to to get there, but mm. I, I think they have the better opportunity. So. Creighton and okay, DePaul. Okay, so Creighton-DePaul, another rubber match. Yeah. Uh, Creighton-DePaul won in Omaha. Creighton won in Chicago without yep. Jalen Agnew right. somehow. which is crazy. Um, how does round three go? And Creighton's got the win at Wintrust in their back pocket, too, so it's not one of those where they won at McGrath and now they're playing at Wintrust. Yeah. Creighton's one of the rare teams. That, I think only Creighton and UConn. Creighton, only, only, Creighton, only Creighton and UConn are the only two teams to beat DePaul at Wintrust because they haven't lost in the Big East tournament. And they haven't lost a regular season game other than when UConn beat them there. So yeah. those are the only two teams to beat DePaul at Winchester Arena. Does Creighton get a leg up on UConn in the standings there? Uh, I, don't, uh, I don't see it happening. Okay. Why? Uh, I would like to see it happen. I just, for everything, I mean, playing at home, playing as well as they've played in that building, mm-hmm. in this tournament, um, I just think it's... 
a lot to overcome. Is there something to DePaul's ability to play well in this tournament, not just on this floor, but like in this tournament in general, because of the style they play? And the later they get into the tournament, it's hard to deal with Keep that with pace <laughs> right. on three days' legs. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, is there something to very, that? Yeah, absolutely. It, yeah, because they do fly around and do push the pace mm-hmm. uh, more than any other team in the league. And, most, and Creighton and is the, on the polar end of that one. They like to slow the game down and play a 60 to 65 possession game. Right. DePaul wants it 75 to 80 possession game. Right. So. And Creighton can match them from three-point range, mm-hmm. but... I think Creighton's better for pace, three this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pace-wise, yeah, it's going to be tough. Yeah. So who? So like maybe that matchup is about who dictates tempo, who controls the game better. Yeah, and, well, and think about this too. Think about what Elger. Think about what she did against them. Yep. And if they get this far, she's arguably not going to be ready to do that again. Three games yeah. in three days for her legs. She might not even play. Right. Yeah. Um, that'll be huge. For sure. Yeah, that'll be a tough task. I do think it's going to be a good game though if they do match up again, just because I think. I just think that matchup is it's too contrasting in styles, but two teams that operate pretty efficiently. And I'm not super impressed with DePaul's second line of defense. Like I think once you're able to get downhill on them and 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 penetrate and kick, I think they're super vulnerable at stopping you. Uh, I just think I've noticed that throughout the entire season that they just had, don't have an ability to stop teams once they get in rotation. And I think Creighton, with their with with, the, with their motion offense, can create problems in that regard. Um, but yeah, in the end, I think DePaul's pace is going to win out. I think it'll turn out a lot like the last year's game was, where I think it's like it's it's just nip and tuck through three quarters, and then DePaul's going to put just one final run together, and Creighton won't have enough legs to recover from it right. um, on three days. I think that's part of like. Um, like we've talked about, the benefit of DePaul's style in a tournament like this where it's day-to-day uh, that eventually they just wear you out. Yep. So I think that's what will happen again. Um, so it means Creighton does not win the Big East tournament. We both agree on that one. Uh, I think it will be the second time they've got to the finals and missed out. But we agree it's a three-bid league. And Creighton is an NCAA tournament team. Are they? Are they if s- Creighton wins twice, if Creighton doesn't well, yeah, win if twice, if, then if, not if it goes along with what we said, yes, yeah. yes. If it gets to that point, I think Creighton has. Is it a stress-free selection Monday if they get to this finals? I don't think so. Okay. I think it's still pretty stressful. I, I mean, so. they'll obviously raise their resume a little bit with a win over Marquette. If you know if that's what plays out here, that would be a third top thirty win. Um, but. Second I think it'll – yeah, I don't think you can rest completely completely easy on selection on selection Monday. Okay. Uh, but but that puts them in good position. I mean, it would be 22 20, and 11. 21 and 11. Right, two wins. Yeah, you're right. 21 and 21 11. 21 and 11. Um, the strength of the schedule would, given who they're going to play, would be uh, – where is it right now? Well, the non-con is always 57. The overall one, I think, is 44. So it would arguably be a top 35 SOS, maybe even higher than that. Yeah. If it, depending on the competition, or based on the competition we right. have been playing in the tournament. So, yeah. That's the road. Um, what haven't we touched on yet? Is that about it? Anything else on your mind? No. No, I think we covered uh, cool. covered a lot of ground. 
If you're still um, listening, thanks. Yeah, so... Uh, are you going to be in Chicago? No? No, Chicago. Yeah, me either. I'm going to New York. Or actually, first of all, I'll be in Omaha for Creighton, Seton Hall, Big East title match in yeah, Omaha. So that will be taking up my time when Creighton's getting ready to play St. John's. Um, then I'll be in New York and into a tournament after that. So that's the schedule going forward. Um, I didn't really put out any feelers for questions. So this is just a Rob and I show today. Uh, but thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. If you're going to Chicago, safe travels and enjoy the games. Um, same thing if you're going to New York, and maybe I'll see you there. Um, until then, go to whiteandbluereview.com for, you know, yeah, you know, all your great coverage. Uh, we'll have uh, post-game recaps from Chicago. Um, obviously, this podcast, and we'll have a bunch of stuff from the Seton Hall game and then leading up to New York. Um, so just make sure you're following whiteandbluereview.com. Actually, I had some ad reads that I was supposed to do today because we have a sponsor for our travels, but I did not memorize them. So I'll have to start that on the next podcast. I'll have to remember that. But um, Script Town Brewing is our sponsor for um, these road trips we have coming up in the Inspire Tournament and Big East Tournament in New York. Um, and obviously that's where we podcasted last year uh, from Script Town. We had some watch parties there. So uh, it's in the Blackstone District on about 40th and Farnham, I think, uh, right before that intersection. So go there, watch the Jays, uh, drink some good beer, and uh, Noe's Pizza is right across the street, and it delivers to the bar. So all you got to do is just show up, order your drinks, order some Noe's Pizza. They'll bring it to you. Um, they'll deliver it to the bar itself. Um, so it's a pretty good setup for, I think, uh, a watch party and a good game atmosphere and everything. So if, you're, if you don't have any plans yet for postseason tournament, uh, Make Scriptown Brewing your home for that. Um, and until then, we'll talk to you on Saturday afternoon after Creighton Seton Hall. Rumor has it Johnny Atawa uh, has a window, so he will be back on the Blue Jay beat for the first time since little guy Simon came into the world. Nice. Um, in late January, so uh, looking forward to that. Until then, uh, thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you on Saturday.